Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project, a podcast for maintenance and reliability people to better themselves both at home and at work. Now let's get rolling. Welcome to Rob's Reliability Project. I'm Rob Kalvaroski. Thank you for listening to the show. And if you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe to Rob's Reliability Project on your favorite podcast platform, as well as share it with your colleagues. If you're looking for more content, check out or follow Rob's Reliability Project on LinkedIn and Facebook for some different types of content and check out robsreliability.com as well. If you're looking for a short daily audio tip, subscribe to Rob's Reliability Tip of the Day on your favorite podcast platform. As well, it's also available on Amazon Alexa as a flash briefing. So check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm excited for this one. I'm here with Darman Dahlia. Darman is the author of Physical Asset Management, an Organizational Challenge. And he's the corporate asset management manager for the town of Halton Hills in Ontario, Canada. Darman, how are you? Oh, very good. Thank you, Rob. No, thanks for joining us today. I'm excited to have you on. Oh, me too. Uh, it's a pleasure to be, uh, to be here talking to you and uh, to the audience. Perfect. And so can you give us a little background on yourself and your start in asset management? Um, well, uh, that's a that's gonna be a long story, but I'll try to to make it short. Um, so basically, I've been in the industry for uh, around 26, 27 years now, uh, starting as uh, in production as production engineer, plant engineer, uh, maintenance supervisor, and uh, that was back in my home country, which is the Republic of Mauritius, a small uh, paradise tropical island, and um, so that's kind of in the 1990s. Uh, and, and there, when I was doing those work in, in maintenance, uh, uh, in production, uh, I did a thesis on, um, for my master's on reliability-centered maintenance. And that's when I developed a passion in the field of maintenance and reliability. And I remember very clearly when I was uh, defending my thesis, uh, the professor who was from, uh, from a Scottish university, and he asked me, are you not interested to do more research? Because I believe he was happy with, with what he was saying. So that kind of uh, uh, you know, stayed in my mind. And, uh, and then uh, in, the, in 2001, I moved to Canada and I was lucky to continue my work, uh, working for a great organization as uh, like Maple Leaf Foods, where at the corporate level, where I was leading their maintenance excellence program. So I was I stepped I stayed in the field and I get got to know a little bit more in maintenance and reliability. I got to travel to different places across the country and implementing uh, maintenance best practices and uh, CMMS systems. After that, I briefly worked in consulting where I got started in actual reliability, and then I joined the city of Toronto uh, where I was part of the uh, a big project, uh, the asset improvement, asset reliability improvement program in the water division. And so that was my kind of a journey over the years uh, from maintenance into reliability. And then in 2013, 
I moved to solid waste division for the city of Toronto as manager asset management. And that's how I transitioned into from maintenance reliability to, to the actual asset management field. And currently I'm working at the town of Halton Hills as corporate asset manager. And I should say my transition to asset management was helped by the fact that I was involved early on uh, also in, in around uh, 2010, 2014 in the development of the ISO 55000 standards with the ISO technical committee teams. So that that's kind of, uh, uh, if that answers your question, is uh, how I, my whole journey in asset management and reliability. Absolutely, it does. Um, I guess my next question, so, you know, you wrote a book called Physical Asset Management, An Organizational Challenge. First off, where can people find the book if they want to read it? Uh, okay, uh, so the book, I wrote it, I, it was published back in 2016, uh, October 2016. So, um, it's a self-published book, so you will find it on Amazon. You will find it uh, through the publisher, which is Friesen Press. Uh, but uh, you can, you will the best best place to find it because I sell it myself, uh, uh, being self-published. So it's through my website, uh, www.darmendalia.com. Uh, I got a, a, a bookstore there. You can always buy it from there. Uh, I ship uh, locally, Canada and US and international as well. Awesome. And if anyone is listening, the the notes, the notes will have Darman's website in there. Um, so Darman, what led you to write the book? Well, well, it's an interesting question uh, because when I think back now, I'd say, okay, how did you come up with this uh, with this work? So I would say it's a mix of quite a few things. Uh, first of all, while implementing asset management in my uh, job in solid waste in the city of Toronto, and at the same time, I was involved with the development of the ISO 55000. And I was also teaching, teaching MMP, uh, the maintenance management program, and the uh, newly launched at that time, the uh, asset management programs, certificate program. Uh, so when I was doing all this, uh, I noticed that there is a misconception on what asset management is about. Uh, because myself coming from the maintenance reliability field and now moving on to asset management, it's all different fields, and uh, uh, and there's lots of misconception and overlaps. So then, I, uh, also the fact that I I have held different positions in my whole career: uh, engineer, operations, maintenance. At some point, I was also leading engineering projects, uh, reliability, and asset management. I was very well placed uh, to firsthand see the gaps and challenges that organizations are facing from different angles, different perspectives, from a maintenance perspective, from a reliability perspective, from an operations perspective, from an engineering project management perspective. But the actual real catalyst of starting to write the book came when I was taking my MBA course. So I was uh, in the 2013, 14, 16, uh, 15, I was I was taking my MBA course. This is where uh, everything starts to make sense from an organizational administration perspective. It's like that was the time when all the pieces of the puzzle were coming together. You talk about organizational behavior because remember, all this time I was mainly in the technical world of maintenance reliability, and now I start seeing the organizational behavior, the finance aspect the accounting field, the strategic planning, the risk management, 
the economics and all that stuff. So all that kind of say, okay, you can put all this together. And uh, and I, I thought of uh, of writing a book. Uh, the book uh, is written for mainly not technical people, for anybody who deal with assets in an organization in one way or another. Um, and at any level of the organization, it is written in a very simple and plain language for anybody to take it and say, I want to get into the world of asset management. What does that mean for me? Right? It's not about any formulas, equation, numbers or whatever. It's plain language. And, um, and I wrote it in, in a simple way for people to get initiated to understand what does that mean for an organization, asset management. And you mentioned that there were some misconceptions about asset management. What are some of those? Well, uh, the the misconception is that uh, uh, sometimes when you hear the word asset management, if you Google the word asset management, you will get all kind of financial, uh, the all the banks, right? It's all about the money. Uh, but when you talk about physical asset management, that's where it comes to all the physical assets, the equipment, the machinery, the roads, the bridges, uh, the infrastructure. Uh, so the misconception was that sometimes people think about asset management as maintenance, asset management as yeah, I'm already doing it. I'm managing my assets, uh, asset management as a system, as a software that we use. So and it's nobody's fault. It's just the way that the evolution has happened in the field that if you remember uh, 10, 20 years ago, we talked about maintenance, maintenance management. And then for the last 10 years, 15 years, we start switching from the buzzword of maintenance to the word of uh, reliability. And now what we're seeing for the past five, six years, switching from the terms of reliability, that's not good enough. We need to do holistic asset management, right? So it's all a different approach. Um, it's, uh, it's uh, I would say maintenance, reliability, all a subset of the asset management field. Yeah, absolutely. And so you, in your book, you use a term called holistic physical asset management. Is that different than what like listeners would uh, would understand from like the ISO 55000 standards or is it very, is it the same thing? Uh, I wouldn't say it's different. Uh, so let me explain why. Uh, uh, and then I think we'll get, the, I will explain a little bit about uh, the, the acronym I'm, I'm kind of tossing around the HPEM. But first let me start with the holistic. Uh, the, the reason why I kind of focus on that portion of it is uh, uh, while going through articles, literature, different documentations and standards, or even when attending conferences, webinars, I noticed that the holistic word for asset management is used mainly in the context of the whole life cycle phases approach. You will hear the buzzwords like from cradle to grave or from lust to dust, meaning from the actual acquisition to the actual disposal of the asset going through all the, the phases, the installation, commissioning, operations, maintenance, and disposal. Uh, so that was kind of the, uh, what I noticed uh, is that that was the focus, right? For me, it sounds like something was missing from the whole approach of holistic, right? If we focus solely on the asset and its life cycle phases, I think for me, I believe that that's only part of the whole aspect of asset management. So in theory and on paper, it looks good when we talk about the whole life cycle asset management, that holistic approach. But when we when we apply that to an organization, it is another challenge. 
Hence, we need to take a different holistic approach as well. Right? That's what I kind of put it as two different uh, approaches in a holistic way. If you think about the word holistic, in philosophy, the word holistic, uh, the holistic principle emphasizes priority of a whole over its part. So, right? so we need to think about the whole rather than the different parts. So, and we should ask ourselves the questions, are we achieving that in, the, in organizations? Are we actually emphasizing priority of the whole organization over the different functional areas? In my experience, the answer is unfortunately no, right? If you look at it, you will, in the field of asset management, you, you hear these common words as functional silos, right? So that's why I kind of start focusing on, on, uh, on holistic physical asset management so that we should understand it's not only about the whole life cycle approach, but it's also about the whole organizational uh, approach. That's, I mean, that's really interesting. I mean, I'm sure everyone listening has or can think of silos in their own company. And so like with ISO 55,000, right? Like we're trying to align what we do to organizational goals. How do we break down those silos so we can actually achieve those goals? Okay, you mentioned a couple of good things here that I want to talk about. Um, so alignment, uh, breaking down silos. So the, that's that's where if you look, if, if when you read ISO 55000, it talks a lot about uh, alignment. And if you read many articles, documentation, literatures, talk about those silos. For, for me, when I think about um, about these aspects and, and, and I'm going around with a lot of this HPAM acronym, I don't know whether you've noticed that uh, on my website. But for me, that's that's where I kind of trying to differentiate between the whole life cycle approach and the organizational aspect. So when we talk about alignment, if we don't look at that holistic approach, both from a life, whole life cycle phase as well as organization wide, and if we don't put the focus on both angles, we will never be able to actually realize value from assets. We are not going to be actually achieving that alignment. And when we talk about alignment, we talk about vertical and horizontal alignment. And I'll explain what that means. Because if you look at organization, it means in ISO 55000, it talks about coordination of all activities to realize value. And you need to have that coordination. And coordination means not only from a vertical top-down, bottom-up approach, but also uh, horizontally across the organization, collaborations of all functional areas. And that's where functional silos come into play. So alignment is both vertical as well as horizontal. From my experience, having worked in many organizations, having witnessed uh, quite a few uh, of those things happening, vertical alignment is not that difficult to implement if you have good leadership. And I've seen organizations doing a pretty good job at it. Good leadership and commitment and they are able to kind of, uh, you know, uh, look at the corporate uh, ob objectives and try to align it with what is happening at the at the different levels of the organization until the shop flow, right? And they do that with the objectives and goals and performance measures. However, horizontal alignment, this is where functional silos come into play. That's, it is a different beast, I will call it. And it's not as easy at all as that horizontal alignment involves people from different functional areas to work together and collaborate. And we know it's tough to, to make happen. This is a huge topic that 
is actually covered in organizational behavior. Now, you talk about breaking silos. Uh, we have to be mindful that we, we human beings, we uh, managers of organization, we have created silos as a way of managing an organization for a good reason. In essence, silos are not a bad thing. For me, I believe that um, if it is well controlled and if we, if we make good use of them, as with anything else, if it is used excessively, it can be damaging. And this is exactly what happens with functional areas, right? Functional silos. Uh, so for silos, I don't agree with the term breaking down silos. I would, I would prefer to use how can we bridge those silos, right? Because we have to maintain the integrity of those uh, professional experts that works in those silos. They are there for a reason, right? But what we have to do, we have to be able to bridge those silos through communication. And silos are there to store and nurture expert knowledge. And we have to be able to tap into those knowledge through communication, through collaboration, and understanding what value for the organizations mean. And that's where the HPAM, the holistic approach kind of uh, comes into play, right? So this means that we need to make the silos function properly to, for the better of the organization with a right inlet of information and with some outlet to other functional areas to keep it active, to keep that flow of information, that share of information, and to keep it connected to other functional areas. So it's our job to make sure that those silos are there, right? Rather than breaking them down, make them being able to function as they should function. But again, easy to say, not easy to do, right? Because it involves different personalities with organizations, right? With different needs and agendas all across the organization. And, and, and to do that, uh, it's a whole transformation process that needs to happen, changing the culture and creating that platform for collaboration, right? And it can be achieved only with good leadership commitment at all levels of the organization, having the right people, Right in the organization, and of course through education and awareness. Yeah, absolutely. No, when you know when you were talking there about bridging silos, um, I the only thing I could think of was my uh, like probably twenty years ago, my mom got a job at Nortel, and you know they they do all this uh, kind of these they're a tech companies, so they have the pool tables and they have all this you know this gear where. The, the point is that you, you show up at the office and then maybe at lunchtime you play pool with somebody in another department. Now, when, when you're talking about bridging those silos, is that kind of what you're talking about or is there a formal process to it? I believe there it's both. It's both. One is, is that culture, but also a culture. You build that culture not only outside the working hours, but also during working hours because – uh, again, like I said, mentioned different personalities. You can be a, a good person uh, during the, your career, your uh, your break or, or lunchtime, but when you get to work, you're trying to now job security for different reasons, rewards, bonuses, for me to look good, for me to get the promotion. You start kind of protecting what you have, right? And being a little bit more um, uh, not willing to share and all that stuff, right? So I think it's a mix, mix of both that... You have to have that balance of, of uh, having 
people mixing around and being able to talk to each other, get to know each other, build that team, but also uh, having a certain uh, culture and discipline in place to make sure that information has to be to be uh, accessible to different departments, right? And being able to to speak up, being able to uh, to share those information uh, and to provide input, right, at different levels of the organization, right? I think that's that's what when they call the that mechanistic um, organization, that's kind of you build, you create those silos, and it it went to into a situation where um, it's it's starting to dis, to to actually destroy organization. And if you look at quite a few cases, you mentioned Notel, uh, the uh, a few scenarios. I've read a book on the the silo effect uh, by uh, Gillian uh, Tett, and in that book, it gives some example of some of the. Uh, incidents or catastrophes that happen in many industries and some of them were actually caused by, because of of poorly functioning silos so th- those silos that are poorly functioning that you're referring to are do you mean the silo itself is poorly functioning or the bridges between that silo and other ones are poorly functioning i would say the the, the bridges were supposed to be there but they are not being used right just picture it as uh, we talk about silo. We talk about a silo on a farmhouse, right? So you would have input in it. You would feel feed the grain in the silo, right? You would store it. So the silo has a function to be able to contain all the grain and to be able to uh, to fill it up and to be able to uh, actually dispatch it to the processing plant, for example, right? So picture that as your department in your organization. You should be able to. Uh, be able to store that knowledge, but also be able to share it with the other areas of that processing facility, right? And whatever you have to do that, the conveying system, a pipe, a pump, all these need to be functioning, right? And if as human beings, we don't do that ourselves, that's the toughest part of it. In equipment, you can go and repair it and switch it on and off, but as people, who is, who is going to do that to us, right? We all have different mandates, different agendas, right? So that's where it's becoming, it's become tough in an organization. And all that is the behavior of the people, organizational behavior, organizational design, the culture, right, of the, of the organization that can, that can kind of, of, of shape that behavior, right, into that direction to make them function. Absolutely. And, and you know that when you're talking about culture, like we've talked about that a number of times on this show. How do you like, how do you think about culture? How do you think about building a culture? Like, let's say we're in, you know, a, at some company and we're trying to implement holistic physical asset management. Like, how, where do we start? There's no good, right place to start. The one thing I would say is that I would not start by blaming the people. Right? I will not say people are doing wrong things or uh, they are not doing a good job. We cannot be blame people right away. We have to blame, I believe, the system. Right? And, and uh, Dr. Deming actually says a bad system will beat a good person every time. So we sh- if, to answer your question, where should we, start? should we start? We should look at our system. We should look, look at how our organization is actually functioning, is actually designed. Right? It's not the people. The people, uh, they are actually trying hard. They are actually trying to do their best with what they have. Uh, 
But unfortunately, again, like Dr. Deming has said, everybody doing their best is not good enough. So maybe in the past it was okay, but now nowadays with all these challenges and requirements that we have in the field of, we're talking about asset management and in, in any, any other field, everybody doing their best is not good enough. Now we have to pull together. We have to look how we can fix the system because it's easy to blame the people, but I believe that it is the system that we have to look at first. Now, once we fix the system, then we can start looking at what people should be doing. Yeah, absolutely. That, that just reminds me of a discussion we had with Bob Latino about root cause analysis. And one of his biggest things in root cause that people do wrong was they blame the person and they don't look at kind of the latent causes that made that person make that decision at that time. Exactly, exactly. And that's that's the point, right? Sometimes we jump too much in, uh, to the conclusion and, and start, uh, you know, a witch hunt blaming people while we should stop, take a pause, look at the system. Is that system that actually uh, causing that type of behavior, right, for the people? And we should fix the system. And again, when we talk about system, we talk about it applies to everything around us, right? We can apply it to the government level, right? The system is, this is the system. And that's why people behave like that. In society, it's like that everywhere, right? And when we talk about asset management, it's in the organization. And and uh, and that's one of the reasons why when you look at, when you read the ISO 55000, it talks about, there's a diagram, a Venn diagram, which talks about the, the system that you're trying to build and how it is aligned with the organization. With, you know, like with physical asset management, what do you see people do wrong when they're trying to implement or when they set up their process for asset management? Honestly, to tell you, uh, as I mentioned, I don't, I would not be focusing on what they do wrong. For me, I would, uh, when we talk about people, we will talk about the asset management practitioners. I believe that it's the organization as a system that we have to look at first, right? Um, so that's why I was talking about uh, initially about the life cycle phases. So we cannot just focus on people and the life cycle phases. We have also to focus on how the organization is structured to help, how the system is structured to help the people manage those assets over those whole life cycle phases. And, and to do that, uh, you cannot just go and say, I will tweak things here, tweak things over there, uh, because it's been going around for so many, many years. And if we don't do uh, something different, we, after 10 years, I will be talking to you, Rob, about the same thing here. We will be uh, fighting the same, uh, around the same things again in five, 10 years. And, and I take the, uh, the I, like, I like quoting some of the great uh, sayings, uh, a quote from, uh, from the, uh, the author Oren Harari, the electric light did not come from the continuous improvement of candles. And that's a very strong statement is that if we think that if we continuously improve on what we have, we will be better off. Yes, we will be better off, but to only to a certain extent. We can only achieve so much with incremental improvement. And in the, in the case of, we've been trying to do this so, for so many years, but we are not achieving progress. It is, it is time now to think about something different. We have to look at 
start looking at the foundation and the fundamentals of our system. What's causing us to stall, right? We have to start thinking about a, having a, I'll use another buzzword, a paradigm shift to do completely something completely different, a different approach, right? And if you, if you read the book uh, Out of Crisis from uh, Dr. Deming, he actually talks about transformation. If you don't do something drastically like transformation an organization, and, and I can tell you, implementing asset management will require transformation, transforming an organization, like it or not. At the way things are moving now, we, will, we can only achieve so much. But the end goal of actually realizing maximum value from your physical assets can be achieved only by drastic changes, transformation of the system that we are actually uh, practicing asset management. So how do we change the system that that is around asset management? How? Good question. Um, again, it's easy to say uh, it, it requires... Uh, some some quite some horsepower and it has to start with uh leadership governance commitment right and when we talk about leadership it's not only the top sometimes when we refer to leadership we think only about the uh senior management no leadership starts with everyone at every level and 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 that when we talk about leadership and commitment that has to come from the actually the behavior of the people Right. So how do we do that? For me, I believe a lot in education, 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 awareness. Sometimes we don't spend too much time on it. We take things, things for granted or people think we, they know already. Right. And and this is where, you, you know, you jump the guns, you try to do things uh, in a rush. But you have to be patient, educate yourself, educate the people around you. Educate everybody in the organization at any level. Only then you can you you will be able to kind of push your agenda through. And I'm I'm happy to say that uh, uh, from what I'm seeing over the uh, last couple of years, there's there has been quite a lot of uh, with Ontario. I mean, with the regulation in asset management, uh, there's a lot of going on these days around uh, providing training, training uh, that education is is very, very important for, for people to understand what they are getting into and what will be required from them, right? And where they fit into the whole picture. That's what is required before we start, you know, saying we are going to implement this and that, right? Even if you look at, if you look around you, you, you take an example of implementation of a, of a computerized maintenance management system. Over my whole career, I've been implementing systems in, two or three organizations where I've worked for. And you always hear those. And, and during my teaching uh, teaching time as well, I keep hearing about, oh, we are implement, implementing under, under this system. So then you ask the question, why the first time was not, it didn't work? It, it's, it's because of actually education, having that discipline, that culture in place to, I have a tool, how should I use that tool for the benefit of the organization? Right. So I, to answer your question, where do you start? How do we do it? I believe in, in education, in building that culture. Right. And to do that, you need to have the, the support, the commitment uh, at every level of the organization to be able to provide you with the training, the funding available and the, 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 to build that capacity. Right. 
Yeah, for sure. And and definitely something that, you know, like a lot of managers, they'll hope that this will happen overnight, but this is a, this is a long process. This is not an overnight fix. Yeah. And I agree with you using that word process. Yes. It is not a, a, a project. It is, a, it is actually a process that will take many, many years to, to, to happen, right. For you to see the, the, the actual expected results. Definitely. So Darman, you know, you've developed the holistic physical asset management game. Do you want to give us a background of the game and like what, like who it's for and what does it teach us? Well, uh, the game, um, uh, if I can, if I may start with, uh, with, uh, on my website, I put up, uh, the, the roadmap, the HPAM, which is the Holistic Physical Asset Management in capital letters to, uh, to, to, to denote uh, the two different holistic approach, life cycle and organizational approach. Uh, so that roadmap for me, I see it as a logical sequel, right? So when I wrote the book, it was mainly about being aware and recognizing the challenges of implementing asset management in an organization. And then I thought, okay, it's good to write about it, but how about making people start uh, discussing and talking about it, interacting with those with those challenges? So that's why I th- I thought about uh, let's uh, let's uh, develop this board game, uh, and uh, reading about something is one thing, but being able to discuss and talk about it is another. So that game, it, it does just that. It is a very interactive session that that pits participants against, against each other to generate discussions. Uh, typically in your in organization, you will have those discussions only uh, at lunchtime, only in meetings, formal meetings, and then once it's done, we're gone, or only when there are problems, right? You will see people talking about those things but this game will will kind of uh, gen- make people sit around the table and start talking about the different activities that are involved in asset management have each and everyone looked into each other's eyes and challenge each other at the end what you will have is hopefully an educative process on the different activities that are required to implement asset management in your organization so what is that game brings is uh, Typically, the, the way I envision it was that it will bring awareness of some of the gaps and redundancies that exist in organization within your asset management system. It will promote the need for collaboration and coordination for people to understand and start thinking about those activities in a group, in a team uh, format. So typically, the game is played in a team of six to seven people where they take different functional role in an organization. and it's, uh, I would say it's a, it's a good tool for organizations who are ready to implement asset management for them to bring their team together for a few hours and interact around that game, right? Just for those hours, talk about some of those activities. It, it is really an eye-opener for the participants going through the session. Uh, in the last session I had, um, I had one of the participants telling me during the game, he was so excited, he said, uh, Darwin, can I buy this and gift it, uh, give it as a gift to my boss so that he really understands what it takes to implement asset management in our organization, right? So I, I, that, that's a little bit about the game. <laughs> he should give it to his kids. <laughs> so 
Darman, I, last question before we get you out of here. And this is one of my favorite questions. So what do you see as the future of reliability and asset management, you know, especially with all the technology that we're seeing coming out with augmented reality, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, like where do you see our field going? Oh, when we talk about, yeah, uh, uh, going to all these conferences, sometimes it's, it sounds, it looks scary. It sounds scary. Uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, IOT. I guess uh, there's no escaping technological advances, right? It will happen, like it or not. And we are, we as practitioners in asset management, we must be aware of it coming. We must be prepared for it. We may say, we must educate ourselves and most importantly, be ready to embrace the change and the challenges that will come with it. Some of those, uh, I believe some of those uh, technological advances will be disruptive and, and others may, may not be as disruptive as that. Some may add value. Some may bring with it lots of issues, but it's all about evolution. We have to evolve and that's the way it is and that's the way it has always been. Uh, no matter what types of technologies are out there, we as humans, we have to, uh, we have our way of thinking, which drive our behavior, right? Irrespective of what technologies are out there. So this is what will make or break what we try to do. So we, I believe that um, technological advances with, will happen, and but we, sh we have to watch the way we behave and the ability to adapt to, to those changes. Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I, I do think that, you know, at the end of the day, until robots are doing everything, we still have to, like, it's still a people business. So we have to be cognizant of that. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and when we talk about uh, uh, all practitioners, even myself, applying to myself, and I remind myself many times is don't fool myself by thinking that if I have my checklist all done, it's, it's a success. No, actually, it's only the beginning because we need to sustain what we do, right? We are investing money, uh, time and effort in, in making things happen. So the biggest challenge is to sustain all those efforts, right? So, um, and, and, and the other thing is sometimes we get bogged down and we start creating our own silos. I, I, when, I, when I speak at conferences, I like to mention that sometimes I have to wake, give myself a wake-up call because I myself working in a silo and as an asset management practitioner you're trying to bridge silos and here you are uh, operating in a silo yourself so you need that wake-up calls uh, very often right so so these are things that we need to be able to we need to keep in mind all the time because everybody i'm a human being as well so we we try to fall into that routine that comfort zone and and always be open-minded for you know, for changes, for other things that are happening around us and be ready for that change anytime. That's that's great advice. That's really great advice. So, Darman, um, do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, everyone should go to darmandalia.com. Are you going to be at any conferences? Yeah, I, I uh, every year I speak at uh, three three or four conferences, whenever the, the, uh, I, my abstract get accepted. So um, typically I go to uh, IMC uh, in, uh, in Florida with reliabilityweb.com. Um, so I just came back uh, last December. Uh, main train in September, I, I used to, to, to go and teach uh, the Kama course and speak also at SINAM. Uh, 
I do that as well. MainCon, uh, I was in Bahrain uh, in November. So that's another conference. And, and um, I do webinars. Uh, I just did a webinar, uh, I think yesterday it was, yeah, yesterday with the Public Sector Digest. So uh, on those platforms, uh, practitioners can interact with me anytime. Uh, I'm also try to be as active as possible on LinkedIn. Um, so please uh, connect with me on LinkedIn or through email. Also, you can reach me. My website is pretty uh, uh, user-friendly, I believe so. So uh, I recommend um, anybody getting into asset management to check my website. I try to, re to, to write some blogs. I'm not great at it, but uh, uh, for the last few months, I've been busy uh, writing my second book. So I, I kind of uh, uh, neglect uh, the blogs a little bit. Uh, and, uh, and as you mentioned on my website, my bookstore is there as well. So on my bookstore, there's two things. One is if you want to purchase my book, you can do that. But also if you are interested in, in, the, in the HPM board game, you can also kind of uh, contact me through uh, my website to ask for more information. Perfect. And, and when your second book comes out, definitely we'll have you back on to talk about it. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of uh, a little bit excited about my second book because, uh, uh, as I said, the roadmap, the vision I have is that, yes, we, I talk about the challenges in my first book. Uh, the game is about experiencing those challenges and, and talk about it. And this, my second book will be about what do we do about it, some of the solution I would propose. Right. And I'm, I'm quite excited about that. So uh, definitely I'll be I'll be very excited to to come and talk to you, Rob, and, and on this platform again uh, in uh, it should come out uh, this year, hopefully, if everything goes well. Uh, so look forward to that. Perfect. Keep me posted. So, Darman, uh, first off, you know, I want to thank you for joining us today. I want to, you know, taking time out of your Thursday night here. No, I should thank you, Rob. It's a great opportunity, and uh, I always uh, embrace those type of opportunities where, where, um, and I think you're doing a great job in 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 doing in doing this type of platform where you can uh, disseminate knowledge and share information with with a broad uh, audience, right? So, uh, for me, being a, it's a pleasure to be here and and talk uh, for a few minutes about uh, those things. So. Uh, Hopefully, it's uh, it reaches a quite a good audience and uh, and uh, it's it's provide value to everyone. Oh, I'm sure it will. I, I learned a few things that I'm going to be using uh, over the next up, upcoming years here. So it's great. No, I appreciate you coming on and joining and sharing your expertise with us. 